So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Acts chapter 2. Think about mission statements. Um, mission statements tell, tell what an organization's overall objective is. Think about um, Habitat for Humanity. Seeking to put God's love into action, Habitat for Humanity brings people together to build homes, communities, and hope. Mission statements, kind of what they're all about, right? Salvation Army, their mission statement. To preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and to meet human needs in His name without discrimination. Kind of let you know what, what they're all about. And, and churches, we, we kind of have that as evangelical churches. Biblical, you know, churches. We... We have the same overall objective, but we could kind of communicate that a little differently, I think. Um, this is our mission statement. As followers of the one true God, we desire to honor Him by keeping our covenant with one another, supporting other brothers and sisters in Christ, and reaching out in love to the non-Christian, all according to His Word. And think about that first part. We'll just talk through this real quickly before we get into the text. As followers of the one true God, we desire to honor Him by keeping our covenant with one another. And next week, we get to see, we'll put our covenant up on the screen as we're going to introduce new church members next week. Um, you'll see the covenant. It's an agreement we have with one another, something we all adhere to. You know, our goal is for every person that's a part of the church family or, or faithful to one another faithful to one another, helping one another grow in Christ's likeness. Second part of this, supporting others, uh, supporting other brothers and sisters in Christ. We've got a mission board over here, and these are partners that we have, people that we support, like Dave and Rivers. They're doing kingdom's work, and we're trying to help them with their work, and that's what our church wants to be about. They're talking about being a sending church. We want to do that. We said that from the very get-go. When I came here seven, eight years ago, we want to grow and, and learn and and, and grow in maturity and go out and win the lost. We want to help other partners and we want to start churches and be a part of what's going on all over the world. And we get to do that through these two offerings, the, the Annie Armstrong offering. We send that money to the North American Mission Board, North America, and then Lottie Moon offering, which we're going to take up here in a few weeks. That goes to people that are outside North America. So we're, we're able to partner and help brothers and sisters that are not here, right, in Tifton County and other places. Reaching out in love to the non-Christian. Of course, this is every church's work as well, right? It's just not about, we're not inward focused. No, we're both inward focused and outward focused. So we, we want to love each other and help each other. But we also want to help those outside the community. Jerry's neighbor. 
Marianne's friend, Jamie's coworker. Yeah, we want to reach out to people who aren't believers. And we do all of this according to His Word. And we have to do it God's way. We can't just do it any old way. We have to do it according to the Scriptures, and so we try to do that. That's our goal as, at Beavers, to be biblical. We think about the church, what's the church, or who is the church? It's the people of God. Jew and Gentile. It's the group of sinners Christ died to redeem. It's the body of Christ, those who follow the head. And how does God build His kingdom? It's through the, the church. He doesn't do His work through isolated individuals. No, it's He does His work through the church. He reveals Himself to the world through the church. Old covenant through the nation of Israel. New covenant through the church. And the local church is God's plan for the world. There's one church, universal church. We're all part of it. We have friends in Hunan province in China who are part of the church. We're all part of one church, but yet the partners live eight hours away. We can't meet together with them, but only occasionally. But no, we have a, a, a local congregation of people, believers, that we meet together and we do church together. I think it's important that we belong to a local congregation. That's how God does His work. How, build, how God builds His kingdom. And so the text of that, Acts chapter 2, the author is Luke. In fact, look at chapter 1 real quick. Turn back real quick to chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Luke's writing this in the first book of Theophilus. I don't know why no one's ever named their son Theophilus. <laughs> That's a good biblical name. In this first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when I was taken up after He had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom He had chosen. Now Luke, the first book was what? Luke. Yeah, the Gospel of Luke. This is volume two. This is second book. It's the continuation. The Gospel, what Jesus taught when He was on earth. Acts, what happens after Jesus ascends into heaven. The history of the church. What, what, what happened with the church after Jesus ascended. So that's what Luke is, is doing. Writing to Theophilus so Theophilus would know what happened after Jesus ascended. In the context here in chapter 2, Jesus had ascended. The believers, chapter 1 verse 15 tells us 120. They're in Jerusalem. They're obeying the Lord. Staying there until they were filled with power from the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 40 of chapter 2. Peter begins to preach. He preaches his great and terrible sermon on the day of Pentecost. And with many other words, Peter bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So they who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day 3,000 souls. So the church grew from 120 to 3,000 in a day. And so today, as we look through this text, we're not going to learn anything new, most likely, but it's just a reminder I think we need to hear at our church. And in verse 42 to 47, it's a recounting of how the early church lived out Peter's message. It, it, it becomes the, the practical expression of the theology communicated by Peter as he preached the sermon on the day of Pentecost. And we're going to learn a little bit or be reminded a little bit about the early church and its mission. I think it's going to help us um, think about our mission here at Beaver. But you see a lot of gatherings here in, in verses 42 through 47. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, breaking the bread, and their prayers. I'm going to talk about, come back and talk about apostles' teaching here in just a second. 
Look down at verse 44. And all who believe were together and have many things in common. Verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. So you see, um, this word fellowship, what does that mean? What does it mean to fellowship? We always think about, if you're old school, you grew up in rural churches, you had a fellowship, what? Hall. Yeah, and that's where you ate. And we eat a lot. We eat a lot here at our church too. But it's not just eating it. Um, but the, the word fellowship means partner, teammate, have something in common. So when they fellowship, what did they do? And it says here, they, they shared meals, they shared burdens, they shared joys, they shared works of service. They shared their stuff, material things. And then they prayed, what, together. They worshiped together. So you see a lot of togethering and sharing in the New Testament church. There's a lot of one anothering going on here. It's not doing it by myself. No, we're doing it together. We're sharing. Doing it together. The Apostle John in 1 John 1 3, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. So that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. In, in verse 44-45, we kind of see fellowship taking place. All who believe were together. They were selling their possessions, belongings, and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And I don't think they shared everything. I mean, they met in one another's home. So they all they still had their own property. And think about the story of Ananias and Sapphira. They had their own property. Um, it's not like the, the, the sect at Qumran, right? The Essenes. They, they had to forsake all their possessions in order to be a part of that commune, that community. They had to sell everything and just throw it all in a big pile. That's not what's happening here. But they did share what they had to help each other because they shared this common purpose and a common goal and a common experience. They shared life together. And think about it. We have fellowship with, with the church. And we have fellowship with Nick. I've talked to, with him for about an hour and a half. He's a pastor. If you're visiting with us, the church we have a part of, we've partnered with that church for about 30 years in Tigamores, Romania. I've talked to him about an hour and a half this week and just talking about our church and we're praying for one another and sharing needs. And we have fellowship with that church. We have fellowship with the partners in neighborhood church. There's something we have in common. It never really doesn't matter, uh, you know, ethnically, you know, even linguistically, even if we speak the same language, we can still have fellowship because. What we have in common, right, is 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 um, more of more influence than what's different among us. Different races, different whatever. It doesn't matter. We still have fellowship because we have this. We have something in common. But how much more so do we have fellowship with one another? Those that we meet with week in and week out, day in and day out. And there's something about this fellowship that causes us to be interdependent. We depend on one another. We share. We do things together. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. It's, a, it's interesting. This command, I think, is really, really helpful. We talk a lot about this in, in the membership dinner. And let us consider how to stir one another up towards love and, good, love and good works. And we need that, don't we? You ever, any of you need to be stirred up to love and good deeds? I do all the time. Stir me up. Somebody stir me up. I need to be stirred up. Uh, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more, all the more, all the more, not all the less, all the more as you see the day drawing near, the day being the day that Christ 
returns. Yeah, there's a togetherness. We need to be together. Don't need to neglect being together. And that's what fellowship is, living life together. We're helping each other, helping meet one another's needs, help, uh, help one another living out the demands of the Christian life. Because that's kind of difficult sometimes, you know. It can give you a little weighty, right? And it denotes giving and receiving, right? Not just receiving, but giving as well. And we say in our church a lot of times, um, it's kind of cliche, but we talk about arm in arm, hand in hand, living life together. That's the picture of the church. It's not just coming and, and listening and leaving, but no, it's living life together. Uh, River, she comes here and she gets emotional. And I, I remember River, we would come home, we were overseas doing, uh, uh, working overseas, we would come home you know, every two or three years. And I was loved, because this is always home for me. The church I grew up in, I, I was a uh, student minister here and, and just have a lot invested here. and Love the people. It just feels always just felt like home. You know, so that's the that's why you have the tear. I, every time I'm a preacher, like, oh, I just get emotional. But why so emotional? But it's just you just have this in, affection for this place. You know, um, but that's what we do. We, we we live together and we have fellowship together. And we share our lives together. That's the picture of the church. What's the gathering entail? Look at verse forty-two. The breaking of bread. Now, what's that? Is that taking Lord's Supper or is that eating a meal together? Well, I think it was early on, I think it was probably both, called a love feast. In Jude chapter 1, verse 12, these are hidden reefs at your love feast. He's rebuking, uh, he's rebuking the church as they feast with you without fear. Shepherds feeding themselves, waters, clouds swept along by men's fruitless trees, and laid all on twice dead of root. He's rebuking these false teachers, but talking about these love feasts. So what would happen is they would have the sword supper, but it turned into a big meal. So they do it together. So it's not, oh, is it a potluck or is it actually the communion? Well, it was both. It was both. And, and what you see in the early church, you see the writings of them having these love feasts together. And then about 150 A.D., you don't, you don't hear about those things anymore. So they kind of became, slowly but surely dissipated, became separate events. Kind of like we would do a potluck. But we have communion here together, take the Lord's Supper, then we go do that. Um, and, and taking Lord's Supper is beneficial, isn't it? When we eat together, that's good. But taking Lord's Supper is real beneficial. It reminds us of Jesus' sacrifice. It kind of focuses, uh, Evan, it puts our attention on Christ, and that's always good. It gets us off ourselves, put it on Jesus. It, it, there's a time, Aiden, of examining ourselves, or, so we have to evaluate, confess sin. That's always a good thing. There's accountability there. But here it says they broke bread in their homes. They ate together a lot. We say that a lot, don't we? And we have, hey, you got to eat. Might as well eat with us. Right? Um, and we do that. We, do, we take the Lord's Supper every first Sunday of the month. And for some of you, I, I, the things I'm going to be sharing, like, yeah, we already know all that. But there's some people here that are, that are new. Maybe they don't know. But every first Sunday, we take the Lord's Supper. Time we just set aside our service, take a good amount of time our service, and focus on Christ and what He's done for us. A lot of time of confession and and, and it's good for us, right? And when we eat together, we break bread together too, don't we? Small groups on Sunday night, they eat every Sunday night. They spend two or three hours together eating eating together. And then we have prayer and share. First Tuesday of the month, the older lady, man, they'll lead that group and they get together and they eat, eat lunch together and, and have prayer time together. 
And we do it other times. Sometimes today, for some of you today, you're going to leave here. You're going to go to lunch together. You're going to break bread together. And that's a, that's a good thing. That's helpful. That's a mark of the, the early church. They broke bread together. Take communion. Just putting their feet up underneath each other's table. I think that's real helpful. That's one of the things the partners do really, really well. Another mark of the church is, is, is this prayer. Breaking the bread in prayer. They remember John 14, 13 to 14, where Jesus told the church, anything you ask for in my name, he will do. And so they're taking Jesus' at his word, and they pray a lot. John MacArthur is a great, I think this is great. He says, prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscles of omnipotence. How do we activate the power of God to prayer? And it's interesting, it doesn't matter how much you pray, you might pray enough this week. You know, like, you know, you never pray enough. You know, that's the good thing about confession. We, have, we always have something to confess, right? We don't love God with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. We don't pray enough, right? Yeah, we don't love our neighbor as ourselves. Those are easy. Yeah, prayer, prayer is mark of the church. We should pray. And we pray. We have time in our worship service that we pray. We have time in our small groups. We have men and women. We break up and we have prayer time. And Wednesday night we have prayer time. There's two Wednesday nights each semester, fall and spring, that we just solely for adults and students come together for just a, an hour of prayer. But again, just like individually, do you ever pray enough? Church, do we do we pray enough? And that's always a struggle as pastors. Like, how much of our service do we actually pray? Because if you just pray a lot, man, people won't come. You know? But, and that's true, right? But it's like, how much should we pray? And it's always a struggle to know. But that's the mark of the early church's prayer. And then, and then worship. Right? They met together, verse 46, they met together in the temple courts. That's the mark of the early church. They worshiped. And this was a day-after-day -day thing and something they did, but I think it dissipated as well. They, they couldn't meet day-after-day-after-day. Day day day, right? Pentecost just came. They just had the Holy Spirit come. They're there on kind of vacation anyway. But after a while, that kind of dissipated. Right? And they began to worship on Sundays. But there was a worship that took place. And so for us, you know, we worship. This is worship. But sometimes we think this is church. Hey, you know, uh, I go to church, I go to Beaver Baptist. And so your, your thoughts are, your, your experience is Sunday morning is church. And I tell you all the time, this is just a little bit of what we do. If you just come Sunday morning here, you're really not experiencing church, I, I don't think. But we do worship together on Sunday morning. And then we have other gatherings, right? Sunday morning we have small group, we have Sunday school classes, you'll call it that. Sunday night we have small groups. Wednesday during the fall and spring we have midweek Bible study where we gather together. We have Bible studies. Children, students, adults, we have Bible study together. We break bread, missions meal, right? And then we, we have Bible studies. So there's a lot of gatherings taking place here at our church. And we see that in the early church, a lot of gatherings, people getting together. But the gatherings lead to what? Lead to growth. So there's growing taking place. And growing takes place I think primarily through two, two means. The giving and receiving of gifts and through the teaching of the Word. Okay? Verse 44 and 45. All who believed were together and they had all things in common and they were selling their possessions, belongings, distributing the proceeds to all as all had need. There's, this, there's, a, there's a giving, uh, there's a getting, but there's also giving. Again, the, the idea of church. We're going to church to do what? We're going to church to hear a sermon. We're going to church to get something, to be taught, to be prayed for. 
And there's this idea that we go to church to give, but I'm just telling you, the New Testament church, I think we go to church to give, but we also go to church to give. And so I want to think a moment just about spiritual gifts. And I think Ephesians 4 is my favorite text on the New Testament. Hold your spot there in Acts and flip over, go to the right, and flip over to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And what Paul is doing here is he's writing to the church in Ephesus and he's talking about unity in the body, how there's one body, there's one church, but then we're all members and we're all different. But, we, we're, but we're unified in that we have a common purpose and we're saved by a common Savior. But, but even though we're part of one body and we should be unified, we're all different and we're given different giftings. Look at verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. But grace was given to each one of us. That grace is talking about gifts. Look, hey, you're given, you have a spiritual gift. You give a spiritual gift when you become a believer. Look down at verse 11. We'll skip the parenthetical phrase there. Verse 11, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. For the building up of the body until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. So he's, he's, he's talking about these gifts that he's given certain people. Pastors, preachers, teachers, you know, those kind of gifts. But, but I'm, he's, this isn't the only gifts. He gives gifts to everybody. This is just an example. God gives gifts to everybody. Even though we're one body, but every one of us as believers have spiritual gifts. And what happens? He talks about until we all attain to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Look at verse 14. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. So that the picture here is we all have gifts and what's the purpose of Ashley having a gift and Charles having a gift and Leanne having a gift and Mickey having a gift and Tina having a gift and Tim having a gift and Bo having a gift. Because we all have different gifts. So when you come to worship or any kind of our gatherings, we come to get, to get, to receive as you use your gifts. But I'm also here, Michael, to give, to use my gifts. And I think what's happened, I think you look at, in America, parent, like, like people like my parents' generation. I think what you see, if you look at the church in North America, you have a, a generation, a group of people, older people, who've been Christians for decades. Decades, but yet they're still babies in Christ. Because their church experiences, they come to church on Sunday morning, they sit in the pew and they listen to good preaching. Amen, amen, here's money, here's money, da, 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 da. But they're not in an environment where they can use their gifts. So they come to get a little bit, but they're not in an environment where they can give. So how do we grow in Christ? Is through the receiving and giving as we use our gifts. So how many people are using their gifts right now? A bunch of us? Really, the same one is just a few of us, right? So what do we need? We need an environment where we can use our gifts, where I can come and receive, but I can also give. Small groups. Our church, churches do it differently. We just use small groups. That's one way that you can come and use your gifts. And Bo Melling, they have a, a small group at their house and they spend, you know, every Sunday night, two or three hours, people come together. And it's an environment where people can use their gifts. And we can all participate in church life. 
And what happens? You're getting, but you're giving. And what happens? You grow. If you continue to read chapter 4, what happens? Maturity happens. No longer children, we're adults. So we gather, all our gatherings, worship, small group, prayer and share, midweek Bible study, whatever we're doing, men's breakfast next week, all of, all of those is, is an attempt to help us grow as we use our gifts. But, but not only just comes from using our gifts, but also the Word of God has to play a part in that as well. There's studying, learning as well. Look, it says, verse 42, they devote themselves to the apostles. I told you we'll come back to that. This is the first mark of the early church. They devote themselves to the apostles. What does that mean? They had the Old Testament. They didn't have the New Testament. They didn't have that. So what do they do? They sit at the feet of those who sit with Jesus, the apostles. And they listen to the apostles teach. Had to learn about the Holy Spirit, Annabelle. John. John talking about the Holy Spirit. Peter talking about the Holy Spirit. Persecution. How to learn about that? Peter talking about persecution. Faith, works. Huh? James. Huh? James will teach about how you have faith, but you also have works. They both go together. Resurrection. Paul. Paul talking about the resurrection. You know, so you have all these apostles and they're teaching the church and then they put those things in writing. God saw fit to preserve those writings. We have the scriptures. Could they eat pork now that they're Christian? Oh, apostles dealt with that, didn't they? Peter dealt with that. Luke and his gospel, he dealt with that. What did God want them to know? Well, he inspired the writers right now. Think about the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Tell the apostles, go and teach them all that I have commanded you. Yeah. 1 Peter 2, 2, Peter says, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it may grow into salvation. The teaching of the apostles was the milk of the early church. Why should they listen to the apostles? Well, look at verse 43. So the jokers were miracle workers. Those jokers were from God. How do we know? Look at verse 43. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. I mean, think about it. This is right after Pentecost. What happened to Pentecost? The Spirit. Speaking in tongues, miracles, a lot of wild and powerful things being done. They could have just kind of coasted and rehashed that experience over and over and over and over and over. They could have lived off that for a long time. No, what they do? No, they focused on, they didn't focus on past experience, but they focused on what God would have them do in the present and in the future. Their fellowship was sweet, but notice this First thing mentioned is they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. Whenever scriptures aren't studied and held in high regard, result is dark times. Dark ages? What's going on in the dark ages in Europe? Scriptures weren't held up. They weren't held in high regard. And so there's the dark ages. Yeah. 
think about this week. When you when we read through, when Brian, when he read through Acts chapter 2, and you're reading through that, you're just kind of going, Ooh, that's good. I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that kind of church, that kind of fellowship. I want to experience that. Do you think that would happen if the scriptures weren't held in high regard, if truth wasn't being taught, if the apostles' teaching wasn't heeded? No, it wouldn't happen. Biblical, healthy churches, they study and they learn the Word of God. You know, at church, you can't produce growth. You can't make people grow. But we can give people opportunity to grow. In all our gatherings, worship, you know, we're teaching, we're singing, we have midweek Bible study, we have small groups. What we want to do is we want to, we want to teach, we want to sing, and we'll pray the Bible. And it's interesting here at Beaver, you know, we're kind of off the beaten path and but we have visitors visit us all the time. I mean, every week almost we have somebody new coming to our church. And over the last three or four years, had so many people come through our doors. And we tell people, you know, our church isn't for everybody. And sometimes you wonder, where are all these folks going? Why don't they stay? Well, there's a lot of loud answers to that question, right? A lot of good answers. Um, It, it, it could be because they don't like the preaching style or they want a little more electric guitar. You know? um, they want uh, shorter sermons. Can I get an amen? <laughs> uh, you're not young enough. You're not old enough. You don't have enough people this age group. right? It could be all of those reasons. You don't wear a suit and tie. And I ask them, I'm telling you, when I came here, I told him, I said, what do you want me to wear? You want to wear a suit tie? I'll do it. Remember that, Mr. Bobby? I asked him. He said, no, no, please don't. I said, praise God for him all this is We're kind of casual, right? There's a lot of reasons why people don't plan here and put down roots here and say, hey, this is where we want to do family. But people aren't going to bypass our church because we're not teaching the Word of God. And we're not the only church teaching the Word of God. There's a lot of good churches around here. And I tell people, if you're a first-time visitor, I've told you, hey, where do you live? i got some churches here that you could go. I know you're going to be taught the Word there. You'll be cared for there. You ought to visit those churches before you land somewhere. Then we're going to teach the Word. We're going to sing the Word. We're going to pray the Word. In all our gatherings, the Word is going to be held in high regard. It's going to be our authority. Then we gather and the result of all our gatherings should be growth. Because we're, we're not just giving. I mean, not just receiving, but we're giving. We're using our gifts. And we're giving, but we're getting. Serving one another. But also because the Word of God, we're growing in our understanding of the Word. But there's a, there's a reason why we grow. Reese, we, we gather together, and it's sweet. I mean, our students, they just love being together. I love our students. They love being together. Their calendar, right? Lydia, your calendar is organized according to what's going on at church. Everything else kind of fits around that. I love that. They love being together. It's wonderful. I always pray that my kids would have a great church experience. They experience church. So when they get older, wherever they are, they can, they can look for that or they can emulate that. But we have all this sweet fellowship for what? 
so we can grow, so we can do what? So we can go out and we can minister to people. So there's a third part. There's a going, right? Look at verse 47. Or 46, day after day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. That's interesting. All the people means who? People in the church? People in the church. Probably people outside the church too. I was real, we did a wedding yesterday for, for Caleb, and he's been working this job, I don't know, a year and a half or so. But I was real, I was real thankful. Some of the people from he works, he works in Memphis, and some of the people where he works came and supported him. And I thought, well, that boy must be doing a pretty decent job. If he was a terrible employee, then his, you know, his managers and people that work, they wouldn't want to come and support him. So I was kind of excited. Hey, man, he must be doing a good job at work. He must be working as an employer. The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Yeah, why do we grow? Why do we gather and grow? So we can go. Man, I pray. I pray all the time. Lord, raise up some students, some adults, some of these young couples, some of these kids, and, and send them, send them out, be pastors and missionaries. And I don't think this was this evangelism aspect was just for the apostles. No, it just seems like it. As you read this text, great. It seems like that's everybody. These people in the church were. You know, there's a, there's. I think there's a, there's a love, uh, John 13, 35. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. I think there's a, a lot of love going on in the church. It's kind of overflowed. And as they're out in the community, hey, won't you come to our love feast? Won't you come this? And they're around the people. Man, they really love one another. That's kind of a neat thing they got going on there. And the church just grew. The Lord added to their number daily. It just grew as they love one another and as they share in the gospel. Nothing happens unless the gospel is shared. Well, oh, they would just love it. They were just kind of one of They had a lot of fun things going on. God don't change lives like that. He changes lives as the gospel being shared. The marketing strategy of the church, it isn't t-shirts. It isn't yard signs or stickers on the back of your car. The marketing strategy of the church is Steve Brown, Ken Boozer, Michael Johnson, Monty Glass, Brent Smith. That's my strategy of the church. No, we're going to love people. We're going to go out and love people. First Peter 2.12 Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. Gentiles always means lost people. Unchurched people, they're lost people, right? So that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. When Jesus comes back, that's what that's talking about. Students, you should live such a Your teacher should know that you love Jesus. But just by being a good student, that doesn't, that's not going to save anybody. So you need to share the gospel. And we make it easy for you. Sometimes we have these events where, hey, bring a friend. That's kind of old school with older people. You know, older people, their idea of evangelism is bring people to church. Well, that's not evangelism, but you can do that. We have events, you know, events where we do things and you bring people and they're rubbing elbows with Christian people. Man, those Christian people, they're actually nice. I thought they were a bunch of weirdo people. No, they're just like people like me. 
They're really sweet, nice, fun. Kind of enjoyed that. You know, we have events you can bring people here. You can bring people to your home. Hoping for dinner. But we need to share the gospel. My, my job as a pastor is not to do the work. It's to equip the saints to do the work. So that's what we're trying to do. But hey, I can't teach you if you're not here. Or if you're not willing to meet with me, right? If you want to meet with me, we meet with our small group leaders. Tuesday morning, 5.30. Fix and start another group. Wednesday morning, we start with me and just meet you early in the morning. Wednesday night, on the 17th, we're starting a, with the adults, we're starting a Bible study at 1 Peter. Brian Lindley's going to help us teach through that. We're going to use inductive Bible study methods. So now you're going to understand 1 Peter and learn how to apply it to your life. You're going to learn how to study the Bible. How many of you, don't raise your hands, rhetorical question. How many of you don't know how to study the Bible? Well, I can tell you to study the Bible, study the Bible, study the Bible. But I'll teach you how to study the Bible. I'm not doing my job. Come Wednesday nights, I'll teach you how to study the Bible. You'll know how to study on your own. We finish 1 Peter. It's going to take about seven, eight weeks. Then we're going to do evangelism training. We'll teach you how to share the gospel. I can't teach you if you're not here. I can't, it's a voluntary organization here. Run it, people. I can't hogtail you and make you come. Right? But I'm going to teach you how to share the gospel. One of the, one of the things that you think about our church, we're about to do, Kevin, we're about to do evaluation uh, this year. We do that every year. He just kind of gets feedback, tell people if I'm doing a good job or not and what I need to be doing differently. So we do that every year. And then we set goals. And so one of our goals this year is we just, we're going to baptize more people. Now, God's got to do that work. God's got to do the growth. He's got to save people. We need to see more people saved. If, if all of us are sharing the gospel, surely we'd see some people, more people saved. But I need to make sure I'm doing my job and make sure you know how. Lying, I can't teach you how if you're not willing to come when we have our gathering times. If Wednesday's not good and we need to do a different night, let's have a meeting. And let's change it. But I can't teach if you're not here. <coughs> right now, y'all know the Old Testament storyline. Y'all know the New Testament storyline. We just we've talked about it the last year. Well, if you're like, well, I don't really know what you think about the Old Testament. Well, you should, you should if you've been to church here. We've been teaching. But I can't teach if you're not here. So this is my little kick you in the hiney kind of deal. Right now. I mean, you know, I'm trying, but I can't I can't teach if you're not here. So y'all be here. You'll learn. It'll be good. It'll be good for your soul. You're not going to come and be like, dog, I hated that. Wind's not terrible. Food was terrible. People I didn't like. Bible study was terrible. We lay an egg every now and again, right? The preacher preaches a terrible sermon. You're literally going, what was he talking about? Was he, was he stoned? I don't understand. But by and large, it's going to be helpful. But I can't teach you if you're not here. So we have all these gatherings. They're purposeful. One of the reasons we're doing here is, you know, this gathering and growing and going, it's, it's purposeful. What we're doing is, you know, we have to, we set these things up so we can do church, be the church, so we can grow, so we can go out and impact the Tipton County, this area for Jesus. And we can meet partners and we can partner with them and we can go and help people do church. And yeah, that's what we're trying to do. Application. What kind of applying is? Well, I think by way of application, you should be a part of the church, universal church. There's only one church. Save people, that's 
Two types of people. We're not Hispanic, white, black, blah, blah, blah. None of that. Two types of folks. You got lost folks going to hell, and you got saved, redeemed people going to be in heaven. You need to be a part of the church. The one true people of God. And you may be here and you're thinking, I've lived my life uh, for me. I've lived in rebellion against the Lord and, and I know I don't know Jesus. And if I die, I'm pretty sure I'm going to hell. If you think you're going to hell, you're going to hell. And that's where you deserve. And God will be right in sending you there. Just like He's right in sending me there. The good news is He sent Jesus 2,000 years ago to live and to die to be buried, to be raised so that you can be forgiven. Amen. You can go from being an enemy of God to doing, being a, a child and a friend of God by repenting of your sin, turning away from God, I don't want to live like that anymore. I'm wrong and I deserve your wrath. And then believing. God, I, I believe, I know that Jesus he lived and He died and He was resurrected for me. Not just for the world, but for me. And I'm trusting that He did that and I want you to forgive me. And if you're like, man, I really don't know how that all works and how that fits together and, and kind of where I'm at, I'd love to talk to you about that. By way of application, you should be a part of church. If you're not a believer, you should repent and believe the good news. Secondly, I think you need to be a part of a church. You need to be a part of a church. And what I mean by that is you need to have people that knows what's going on in your life. It's going to help you in your walk and relationship with Jesus. So you need to be a part of a church. You're like, well, I've been visiting for a while. And I'm not really committed anywhere, but I probably need to be. I'd love to talk to you about that. I'd love to tell you about what our church, what we believe, how we do church, see if you want to be a part of it. I think that's really important. And I, I think I have a convincing argument from the Scriptures why that's true. Thirdly, by way of application, I think just take advantage of the opportunities, the gathering opportunities. We're not legalistic. You got to be here, Jerry. You got to be here. If not, you're going to be, you know, we're not legalistic. People have lives. You have, some of you are caring for aging parents. Some of you work a lot. Some of you, you know, whatever. I get it. We get that. But we have opportunities. Take advantage of opportunities. Next week, men's breakfast. I don't know why men wouldn't want to come. Who sleeps past, if you're a grown man, who sleeps past 8 o'clock? Well, that's ridiculous. Go to bed like Saturday night. We go to bed. Saturday night's school night for the Hartsfields. It's school night because we got worship day. Worship day is a lot more important than, than Monday school. Sorry. Marty and Lonnie. Sorry, baby. Worship day is a lot more important than Mumford Middle English class or whatever. You know? But get in bed a little early and come. Men's breakfast. Uh, Jim Swain will teach us from the Word. He always does a great job. He'll teach us something about men, what we need to be doing, what the Scriptures teach us. We have all these gatherings. Be, into, be a part of it. It's, it's, hey, January, New Year's resolution, whatever you call them, we got uh, reading plans back there if you want to read through the Bible. Um, just get one and tear it in half. You only going to do six months. But six months is better than that. <laughs> That's good. If you read the Bible every day for six months, I'll, you take it, won't you? I'll take it. Do it. Hey, if you don't finish, that's okay. Hey, just get it, tear it in half, and do the first part. Don't worry about the second part. 
be, be committed to being here and being a part of what we're If you're like, man, this whole thing is distinct and don't even work. We don't even need to do Wednesday night Bible study. Well, let's talk about it. The church won't do away with it. I'm getting paid the same whether I do it or not. doesn't matter. If we don't want to do it, hey, it's not really helpful. Let's just cancel it and uh, I'll go coon hunting or something that night. Be a, be a part of what you can be a part of. Kevin Boozer, that job to work, so he, he's leaving. Uh, he's not leaving. Usually Sundays and get like Friday. We can't be here Wednesday, of course. But be a part of what you can be a part of. You're like, man, I can't be here Wednesday night. But man, if you recorded that thing, I'll listen to it. Okay, we got the team. We can do that. No worries. We're going to start First Peter. We'll go through First Peter. Dougie where you'll know how to study the Bible. If you're like, Pastor, I can't be here, but I'd like to meet with you, tell me. We'll meet. It might be five in the morning, but we'll meet. There's a lot of opportunities to be a part of the gathering. Why? So we can grow. Using our gifts. Studying the Word so we can grow and mature. So we can then do what? We can go out and make a difference in our community. you got a sphere of influence. Let's be influential for Jesus this new year. I've been excited. I love our church. I'm excited about what the Lord's doing. I'm excited about that. This is kind of our, our mission. You know, we want to be faithful to the covenant we made one another in our church. We want to partner and help those that we can help. And we got great partners, man. There's biblical churches doing biblical things. God's using them. We get to be a part of that. That's awesome. But then we got these fears. We need to be faithful. We need to be faithful. Well, Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. We're going to have small groups tonight where you're all to be with your family and students will be together. Hope you have a great New Year. Be prayerful. We got a lot of people out. You see, a lot of people out. They'll be traveling back, I guess, today and tomorrow. But let's pray, and we're going to be dismissed, okay? Find somebody, when we when we dismiss, find somebody that you uh, hadn't talked to much or hadn't seen and get to know a little bit, okay? Pardons, we're so glad you're here. Um, the pardons are here. Hey, pardon kids, y'all stand up. Where are the pardons? There they are, aren't there? Somebody, is that all of you right back there? Yeah, there they are. Stand up, stand up. The pardon kids, they don't get... They don't get they don't get stage time. Next time, we'll get y'all stage time, okay? But we're glad they're here. We love their fans so much. Um, and we're excited about what they're doing. Let's pray for them as we dismiss, okay? Father, we acknowledge your goodness to us. We're thankful for your word and just what you did in the early church and what an example we, we have for us. And we want to be a biblical church, Father. We want, to be, we want to be a church that honors you. And so we do ask that you would give us wisdom as we decide how to use our time and how to meet together in our gatherings. We, we ask for wisdom. You tell us, Lord, if we lack wisdom to ask you and you'll give to all without finding fault. Give us wisdom to know how to make the best use of our time so our people can be at our gatherings with the purpose of, of using gifts and studying the Word so we can grow, so we can go out and make a difference in this world for Jesus. There's lost people here, I'm sure, Father. Maybe they're children or students or adults. Father, I pray that you would use the gospel message that they've heard about Jesus and his love for them and his sacrifice for lost people. And may they be cut to the heart like these, these were when Peter preached at Pentecost. And may they desire to know you. I pray that people be saved today. That some man or woman, boy or girl, would lay their head on a pillow tonight and, and, and not be able to sleep because they're hear this gospel message resonate loud in their, in their ear. I pray that you would save lost people. And Father, for us as a church, Lord, may we be faithful to our covenant we made one another. 
Lord, may we be more faithful to kingdom's purposes. May we be more faithful to study your word and to be a part of the gathering so we can we can not only receive, but we can use our gifts so we can grow and mature. Father, use us. Use our church this year to spread the gospel, not just at, at the school, at the workplace, but in Kansas, in Idaho, in Romania, and all over the world. Use us. Use our resources to give you glory. Father, for those that are traveling, that are part of our church family, we've got a lot of people out and about. We just ask for travel mercies that you'd bring them back safely. Lord, for those of us that um, are people that are ailing, they're homebound, we ask for grace, Lord, for Miss Lou, Miss Mary, and Aunt Margaret, Miss Jeanette. Pray for grace for them. Those that's lost loved ones, Father, for Miss Cheryl, especially for Miss Edna, Miss Fran, just be gracious to them. Use us in their lives this week in Jesus' name. Amen.